Welcome to episode 252 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For our podcast this week, we're going to chat about what happens when you create convincing representations of people digitally. So this is the promise of video games, of virtual reality, of CGI in the movies, is to create digital representations of people that more or less are convincing in such a way that, that, that you think they're real. So at the uh, Game Developer Conference uh, last week, there was an impressive demo by Epic Games showing off their technology called Siren, and Siren is a digital personality that hooks up to a, a set of motion capture devices attached to an actress, and as the actress moves about the stage, as she changes her facial expressions, Siren does exactly what the actress does um, in real time. So that is, that's a significant advancement. And there were a number of companies that worked with Epic Games on this. Uh, Cubic Motion, Three Lateral, Vicon, and Tencent uh, were the, uh, with Epic Games, the five companies that pooled their technology to create this, this advancement which relies on, as I said, this real-time motion capture. Um, and so this is this is a big jump in quality, uh, especially I think in the in the facial expressions. It 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 seemed like the motion capture was really able to uh, effectively convey these facial expressions on the the digital personality. And there were improvements to to the shading, to the reflection and refraction that were all very impressive. So. So the, the, the hype around Siren is that it's blurring the line between CGI and reality. Uh, I think it's a step in that direction, but, you know, I, you can still clearly tell it's a CGI uh, character. Dirk, you saw the, um, the video of the demo. What did, what did you think? Yeah, I think, like you said, it, it clearly is a CGI character, and it's done really well. Like... The, the uncanny valley aspect of it is really subtle. Um, I think it's – I've looked at it and tried to figure out why is it that this doesn't read like a person because it's mm-hmm. sort of correct to a person in so many ways. And I think it's the, the eyes in particular, mm-hmm. um, the way that the eyes behave aren't quite there. They're really good in a lot of ways, but they're not quite right. Some of the physics around the hair, it's just not – it's just not quite right. You can see that there's an engine doing it based on a math model, but it's it's not behaving precisely the way that it would in in nature. And I mean, one of the things about the Uncanny Valley is the closer something is to looking human, but then not being correct, sort of the more jarring yes. it is and the more uncomfortable that we ultimately are. And so in, in all of the good that they've done, because they haven't quite nailed it, um, in some ways it's worse and weirder. Um, but in other ways it's better too. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm impressed with it. It's, it's good enough that I get to the point of saying, you know, this might be something I'd be interested in participating with. Um, it's, it's cool. Yeah. It, I, I thought, you know, my initial reaction was, was, wow, the video game industry is really sinking a lot of money, uh, into its technology, like clearly they have the the finances to do so, and that's going to really push uh, the envelope for a lot of other industries that will 
license this technology and, and follow follow on. In the, in the digital games industry, VR, virtual reality, got super hot, I don't know, three to five years ago, and it got a lot of funding. So um, games companies were investing a lot of money, but they then also there were like the big – most of the big VCs at this point have one or more investments in mixed reality, which, you know, VR specifically was the hot thing some years ago. Now it's more of the mixed reality, whether it be, you know, virtual, augmented or, or whatever type. Um, so this is a this has been on trend from thought leaders, you know, in games kind of pushing it. But then the money people in both games and the investment community saying, hey, there's something real here. We should pour pour a lot of bucks into it and we're starting to see some of you know some of the rewards of that you know such as with this demo yeah and and i think the there there are both short and long-term uh great possibilities for this 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 technology i mean i can see uh in the in the short term really this uh kind of technology uh really advancing uh, what we're already seeing as, uh, you know, the so-called golden age of, of television programming, right? Because uh, you can, even right now, given sort of the budgets that, say, like a Netflix uh, distributed show is working with, they can create some pretty good stuff without this sort of rapid motion capture, realistic-looking person technology. I, th- I think that... You know, it's starting in in the gaming community and the gaming industry. But I think that this is going to have you know tremendous positive upside, uh, especially for uh, like the aforementioned Netflix or you know Amazon streaming or whatever, where where there's a need for content that can be produced inexpensively and then sort of delivered to whatever audience. Um, you know, whatever audience is interested, it makes the production costs uh, come down, you know, significantly when you don't have to sit there rendering. I mean, all of that was rendered in real time. You're not kerchunking away uh, on your, you know, giant server farm for, uh, you know, 24 hours to create uh, this this uh, character. It, you there know, was it, a couple second lag just to pick a nit. But yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much in real time. Yeah, that's uh, that. That's a good point. So I think, you know, there's obviously movies and and television uh, as as sort of the the near term receiving benefits from uh, from this technology as as well as games. You know, both both uh, casual and uh, sort of hardcore gamers are are going to see this uh, tech in their in their games in the in the near term. Uh, the long-term possibilities uh, for this technology are also uh, pretty significant, and you know, I, I I think there's there's any number of ways in which this can play out, and, and this is all attached, of course, to to the rise of uh, technologies around uh, virtual reality and, and mixed reality. And and Dirk, you you and I have have talked about this at length under the umbrella of smartware, right? As the the type of technology that uh, can reduce uh, the need for uh, people to travel, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you're able to use use smartware to interact with things uh, virtually that you might otherwise need to um, 
uh, need to travel for, you know, just as one aspect of smartware. Dirk, when, when you look at this technology, are you saying, ah, yes, this definitely fits into uh, the things we've been talking about? This, this is, uh, while not necessarily expected, this is sort of fits into the paradigm we're thinking about. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, it's it's definitely it's definitely a manifestation of of smartware, both where it is now, but also where it is going. And you know, as as I was looking at it and, and thinking about it and appreciating appreciating it, I was also trying to think about how how would this technology manifest in a concrete way. And one of the things that I really was honing in on was the user interface, because the the woman who was giving the demo, as perhaps we would logically think should be so, she was hooked up with sensors and the movements, uh, you know, of the the robot, for lack of a better word, um, mirrored the movements of her. So she was moving and dancing and doing all of this different stuff. Uh, makes sense on the surface. The problem is, you know, do, is that how we want our entertainment to behave? And I, you know, I remember um, one example when I was watching a Twitch stream and the streamer went to play a virtual reality game and played it for like 15 minutes then sat down and said, "Oh, that was fun, but now I'm tired." <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, the 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 moving of limbs and jumping and and doing all of that stuff is is very active and very physically active. Uh, we generally interact with our machines in in very passive ways, sitting in a chair, um, using interfaces that are only using our uh, typically, you know, our, our hands and fingers. Um, so, I suspect that the the, the real power and application of these things are going to come from later generation user interfaces that are more passive, that fit into the long tradition of our uh, sitting with a book, sitting in front of a radio, sitting in front of a television, sitting in front of our computer, um, you know, interacting with these different types of entertainment, immersive entertainment media in, in passive ways. I think active use of those unless we have major social shifts, uh, is unlikely to, to sort of prosper if it requires continual active interaction like that. Yeah, I, th I think there's probably going to be some branching going on here because I could see, you know, so you described sort of the entertainment ideal, which is, you know, sort of... Uh, uh, as you describe, you know, sitting and being entertained, and then, and then, of course, in in the case of the demo, there's all of this, uh, uh, you know, active motion going on. There's there's a lot of uses, I think, uh, that sort of fall in between those two poles. Uh, for example, you know, when we're meeting people in person, uh, we get an awful lot of information from their body language, uh, which is almost completely lost uh, when you're doing virtual type interactions, you know, whether it's, uh, and I'm using sort of the virtual broadly, right, to encompass mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. the digital tech that we have. If there are ways that you can use motion capture to capture some of that body language and convey it to the other person, you get that much more ability to, you know, communicate in a meaningful way with them. The, you know, the, the, the biggest problems, I think, for, you know, some remote uh, teams, at least the ones that, you know, that I've had exposure to is just, you know, this sort of limited bandwidth in terms of conveying the totality of their message to, you know, whether it's a client and consultant relationship or, or within the team, the subtleties really get lost, even if you're very experienced at it and can use that combination of communication media, you know, whether that's typing, video conference, 
phone calls. It's just, it's not the same as being there in person. So I, I think with tech like this, you're going to see those types of possibilities, which are, you know, not really passive and not really active, but, but more about capturing that a subtle motion of the body that comprises uh, body language. Um, and that's, that's just one uh, thought. Uh, another that sort of uh, tickled my interest was this idea that, you know, Siren was captured from a, you know, a, a real person. The, uh, uh, the information that's used to render Siren, while it wasn't the actress, you know, it wasn't her data that was captured to create this rendering. It was somebody's data, right? Which, which then sort of opens the doors to, well, if you can capture people, I mean, this, this has been the dream of producers, right? So you get this actor or actress or whatever, you can sort of capture their information. Uh, and then eternally, they will eternally be who they are when they are at their, their highest uh, earning potential, right? So, you know, you think of, of Star Wars, right? And you, you see they're using at least some of similar technologies to recreate the characters from the first trilogy. So I can see directors really being uh, interested in that. And further, you know, I, I can think of, hey, wouldn't it be great to capture my family members or whatever so I can always get the advice of my uncle or whatever? I mean, granted, that will take <laughs> a heck of a lot more than just capturing his facial expressions. Yeah, it's going to bring together a few different technologies. It is. But no, it's, it's a great example, though, yeah. It, it's this this kind of thing that sort of spin, spins up uh, the wheels of... Uh, 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 your your designer's imagination, or or even you know, hey, I've got uh, you know Alexander Hamilton here in in our virtual reality or or mixed reality classroom, and you can uh, sort of absorb some of that information from from the character, um, uh, you know, the, as the school kids interact. Uh, so that's yeah, that's a little less interesting because so much of it is projection and, and sort of making things up. What would be more interesting is with someone like Barack Obama, who right. we could still capture and map their their actual self in a certain way. <laughs> yeah. And so so it, you know that it's a realistic representation of how that person behaved and was in, in real life. Whereas the Alexander Hamilton, which has its own cool parts to it, there's going to be a lot of authorial discretion there no as doubt. opposed to sort of authentic experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I think, you know, this is, and, and we're, you know, I, I get very excited about, uh, you know, future potential uh, for, for the design of these things, because that's, you know, part of the way my mind works, but, but we, we can see this, the start of this and and I think it really does speak to uh, the the maturation of our digital lives and digital existence. Um, you know, we we talked last week about um, about our personal data. You know, and, and this week about you know capturing you know even potentially even more of that data. Um, uh, you know, the potential for that to be misused is is uh, equal to these. Um, uh, these ideas that we have for you know more legitimate usage, right? So you can uh, you can capture Barack uh, Barack Obama t for for an educational seminar in a classroom, but you could also ca use his likeness to have him say ridiculous things that he never said, right? You know that's that's another uh, sort of latent possibility with this technology. Um, so 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 it's interesting to see that we're you know, developing all kinds of ways of digitizing the self. 
um, and you know obviously pushing on a number of through a number of industries um, and then in in tandem with that is the uh, mixing of that technology with what human beings always do which is you know uh, some some things that uh, you know, might be to others detriment, might be deceptive or false or, uh, you know, or fake, right, is the favorite uh, adjective right now. Dirk, does any of that worry you? Sure. <laughs> yes, I mean, <laughs> in, in, in varying ways and, in one and varying word. degrees. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're you're putting your finger on what are going to be some of the important questions and important themes to come out of uh, where where all of this is going, and it's hard in a blanket and, and generic way to kind of um, to to really get deep on it. But I think as we start to see how these things are manifesting in more specific ways, uh, these are the kind of things for us to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think capturing the the digital representation of yourself like the physical representation uh similarly you know uh you know we were speaking of capturing all our facebook data which is more um you know sort of gives the the skeletal outline of our of our personality and then even you know going into uh that the healthcare realm you know uh capturing things like your um your genomics for instance these these are all data but they're different aspects of digitizing ourselves um and and creating this digital world and I, I i think we need to start having more conversations about how that happens um and how that data can be used etc um and and while i i see tremendously exciting uh new technologies you know like like siren uh i i also um am always slightly paranoid about how all of that's going to play out amen listeners remember that while you're listening to the show you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time just head over to the digitallife.com that's just one l in the digital life and go to the page for this episode We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And of, uh, of course, if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And the whole show is brought to you by GoInvo, a studio designing the future of healthcare and emerging technologies, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That is G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at DNemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 252 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>